necessary intro song to totally waste your time. So here's the deal. I can't really make a big, long, half-an-hour rant about not murdering and not committing suicide and not aborting and not capital punishing without talking about veganism and the fact that I eat animals that I don't kill. All the time I eat them. Do I feel good about it? No, I don't. I feel, I don't even feel indifferent about it. I try to, I'm in denial about it. Okay? Purposeful, willful denial. And uh, because I have strong ideas when I think about factory farming, I think, yeah, it's fucking ugly. Is there anything about factory farming that looks wonderful and i'm i'm a contrarian so i can't i know i i can answer these questions that i have you know i in my mind i go well you know well you don't know if you're born into a cage you don't know the outside world we all tend to get comfortable with what we know and <clears throat> even when cage doors are open blah 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 but harking back harking back to the last conversation, the previous podcast, there is a difference when it's DIY. And I don't think I would have as much trouble just philosophically speaking. And by the way, this trouble I'm having philosophically speaking, you got to remember, I, I have a terrible, a terrible, awful, awful condition in my mind where I can reason both sides. It's literally why I have, uh, on one hand, the tattoo one, and on the other hand, the tattoo the other, is because on the one hand you have this, and on the other hand you have that. And oftentimes, both things can be true. It happens way too often. That's why I get so frustrated with certainty. Oh, when people are certain and they know for sure. I just, oh gosh, I get so bored with people like that. Bored and frustrated. But, so, on the one hand, life is death. They are inseparable. There is no such thing as life without death. You know, the yin and the yang is such a true Heart. You can't have love without hate. Without contrast, one can't exist without the other. It's just impossible. So there has to be misery. And it's going to be, there's going to be misery. Ugh, sounds, I hate, I hate hearing that. I hate thinking it. But. How do I look, how do I think past it? It's going to happen. It's just the way nature is. It balances, you know. How do you get rid of factory farmings when fuck faces like me like pork rinds? And I can buy a 
10-pound tube of sausage for 10 bucks. I mean, it seems ridiculous. The only way you get rid of that shit is if you turn everybody back into hunter and gatherers. But how do you do that? There's not enough room to spread everybody out and do that. Changes the ecology completely, you know. You cut out factory farms, a lot of people just go malnourished and die. And I know a lot of people would like that. Almost every environmentalist I've ever met hates human beings once you drill into the conversation far enough. And by far, I mean five questions in and you realize that they hate humanity. They love every creature on earth and earth except for people. They hate people. And usually it's themselves that they hate. They almost never breed. That's born out of self-hatred. Anyway, what was I talking about? Veganism. Uh, and even within the vegans, you know, the, the, there's the impossible, it's impossible to reason with veganism too because when you have a crop, um, you're killing and displacing a bunch of animals just by creating that crop. It's impossible not to. All the infrastructure, even just to get vegetables from farm to table, you know, death everywhere organisms dying and yes i agree a puppy is different than a fly i get it why just because it is we don't have to have a reason why because it feels that way <laughs> and nature has created us to feel that way and why question nature you know if we love puppies more than flies then so be it what, we got to deprogram a billion years of evolution? No, we don't. That's ridiculous. A lot of people think we do. I don't. But, still, when you just close your eyes and imagine having your own little farm where all these problems disappear, where... That's your lettuce because you planted it. Those are your radishes because you planted it. Those are the eggs you're stealing from the chickens because you feed the chickens. And what do they need? Bunch of chicks? No. They're not like family animals. They don't sit around having three-legged races. You know? They don't even blink hardly. So yeah, stealing the eggs, eating their eggs. It's so gross. We do it, but they're delicious. You know, and you k kill the occasional chicken when they get old. Fast and quick. Although that's kind of impossible. You chop a chicken's head off and... Have you ever heard that story about the chicken that stayed alive for a like a year after it got a, its head uh, chopped off? Because apparently in a chicken... Well, every animal, actually. We think of our brain as being in our head. And of course... It mostly is, but the whole nervous system is the brain and it goes through your whole body. So we've just, a lot of our vital stuff is in, the, in our head, so we don't, we don't get to last. But, um, which is funny too, because the chicken kind of is a little bit more like how I would design things. I believe in decentralization. Decentralization is at the core of my, all of my philosophy, you know. 
and even applies here with the factory farming. That's too central. You know, decentralized. Of course, when you have a, anything that's centralized becomes very vulnerable because if you if you have a whole bunch of power centralized in one point, all you got to do is get rid of that point and kablam, big disaster. If you decentralize it and you spread it out amongst, you know, over the land and uh, there's no major point of vulnerability, you destroy one little cell and everything else lives. So chickens kind of seem to have a better decentralized system. Like, well, imagine if every cell in your body contained all the know-how and skill to function as any other cell. I mean, this is a little brain experiment for you to do here. But imagine if it could survive on its own. In other words, it had its own brain. It didn't rely upon. What if it had its own little heart, its own little mouth, you know, that it could, you could smear peanut butter on your body and it would just absorb in because each cell has its own decentralized whole system. They're all self-contained. You could chop off your arm and you'd be fine. And chickens are kind of like that, I guess. I mean, you can chop off their head and they can keep running around. Like, balance. They have balance. They can run around. Yeah, how does the fuck does that work? We need our ears to balance. You get rid of your little cochlea. Is that what it's called? The little shell-shaped thing in your head that has the liquid in it. You get rid of that. You get an ear infection, you've fallen over. These fucking chickens, you can chop off their head and they'll run around for a year. You know what I mean? They'll start websites. That makes me wonder. I wonder if a chicken with its head chopped off, so this one lasted for a year, you think it could have sex with its head chopped off? That would be pretty crazy. Anyway, so... Um, when you're decentralized and you've got your own little farm and you're hunting or you're raising your food, then you get into what I consider to be more ideal, harmonious ethics, you know, decentralized. You're, you're raising the animals, you can give them a good life, and then they have that one bad day, you know, they don't see it coming, kablam, that's the end, food on the table, Die with a smile on your face. Like, I don't think I would feel that bad. Like, I think of, you know, I think of the way, this is going to get dark, kind of, but when, when we're born as humans, our life just kind of unfolds before us, and however you're raised is kind of the way you're raised. It's not until you realize that other people are raised differently you realize, wait, there's other ways to do things? Not everybody believes in Jesus? What are you talking about? Not everybody has to weed the garden? That's crazy. You mean people, some people have sugared cereal for breakfast? They actually get the stuff from TV? Holy shit. But you know, if you're, let's say you're born into some sort of system where your whole design, I mean, and people are on this earth, like most religions are a big scheme to delay gratification. 
Not most, but the extreme ones are a scheme to delay gratification until you're dead. Until after you're dead. You know? So you can't train people, I guess, kind of, to go along with this idea that your purpose is to be serve God and then one day you'll die and X, Y, Z will happen after you're dead. So I can imagine a system where you work your whole life to be dinner for God, (laughs) the master. One day, child... You know, you got videos, tapes of these fucking crazy religious extremists of the Islamic variety um, who are strapping bombs to themselves, their children, they look excited about it. And I, hey man, having been raised religiously, I've seen people, like even the way my mom talks about my stepdad having died, you know, they believe she believes he's alive, waiting on the other side. It's not a big deal, you know. So, yeah, people's beliefs can get crazy. So I can, it's easy to imagine even a, you look at a little pig and you think, oh, well, one day. They don't know, but even if they did know, it's a pretty valiant death. Like if I was slaughtered to be a meal of a guy that took care of me my whole life, and I knew it was going to come someday. And first of all, if I don't have a concept of time. I mean, your whole life is your whole life, no matter what. It's always 100%. Nobody really dies early. Because you have to have a parallel version where they kept going. You know? Anyway, I'm off in the weeds now. I'm trying to rationalize my way out of veganism. <laughs> As I know many of you are, um, I really don't know many. The the most ethical ways of living are the hunter and gatherer, farmer types, you know. You listen to these, we were raised going hunting and, you know, it seems like, you know, in Utah, one of my best friends growing up, Andrew, uh, was Nav- Navajo Indian. And I don't know why I'm bringing him up, except for that it seems like just being in Utah, we were around, you you grow up, even though you're growing up Mormon, you grow up hearing a lot about a lot of these uh, Native American ideas and philosophies. And who knows if they're, which ones were true and which ones weren't. I wasn't around back in the day. But um, I've always liked the philosophies where, you know, you respect uh, the animals that give their life for your nourishment. You know, what's not to, what's not to like about that? What's not to like about the gratitude? Having gratitude for all the life. And, and that kind of seeped into uh, the hunter culture. Like the hunters that I knew growing up, and the attitude was always, it was never a frivolous thing. Like... It's not, I mean, while there is an excitement about killing the animal, hunting and killing it, there is an excitement. It's not a jubilation. It's not like, um, it's a, it's a life thing. It's, I, I guess you have to do it to know it, you know? Um, and there is a respect. There is a, like when I killed my first deer, 
I, I got really sad because, I mean, I really did. I killed it. I was super excited that I got it. In other words, I stalked it, saw it, aimed, fired, boom, got it. Wow. I was, what, probably 16 or something? Maybe even younger? I don't know. When do they give licenses? Um, but when I got up to it, just seeing it there and... Uh, it's just a creature. And I, of course, I anthropomorphized it just like I do everything. I, I actually imagined a cave <laughs> for some reason. Like a deer lives in a cave. I imagine kind of like the Flintstones, you know, where there's a family waiting for this deer to get back to dinner. And where's dad? <gasps> where's dad? <laughs> By the way, you know that sound? <gasps> that sound right there? That's how David Lee Roth does that weird sound that he does. He figured out how to do that high. <gasps> Bet you're glad that I told you that, huh? Um, yeah, so... There is this fantasy I think a lot of us have that... The perfect ethical life is... You know, to kind of move off onto a ranch. Raise your own food. Hunt. Because that takes care of all of those things. It gets rid of the factory farming. It gets rid of the, you know, not just factory animal far farming, but planting your goddamn quinoa crops. Don't act like those don't have impact against mammals with beautiful brown eyes. Because they do. All that shit does. Um, and there's a certain point, you know, the thing that I guess drives me nuts most about vegans is that I feel like they're in a way they're just avoiding they're avoiding the inevitable fact that it life is just chaotic and and just torturous when you and no matter what and within that because of that it is also amazing you know what I mean it's that it's that whole thing it's a, there, it's a Mormon scripture There, or maybe it's a biblical scripture I don't know but there must needs be opposition in all things and I think that's just a complete reality. An unavoidable. And that just, that gets dark because that means that the murderers, that means that the wars, that means that everything that terrible that happens is part of the design. And that gets really complicated because you're going to get people just submitting themselves to that design and saying, well, I'm one of the murderers. I'm one of the bad guys, you know? So it gets really complicated. You have to try to build philosophies on top of it to try to steer it in one direction, you know? You don't need to run towards evil because evil is running towards you. Your idea is you run away from it and it catches you now and then, now and then. You don't need to go looking for trouble. Trouble is looking for you. 
So avoid the trouble because it's going to find you. And if you start looking for it, then it's going to tip the scales. But is that even impossible? Impossible. Do you see what happens? Do you see why I probably shouldn't have a podcast? Because this is the way my brain works anyway. Hours and hours and hours of, on the one hand this, on the other hand that. The Socratic method, arguing and debating in my own brain. Yelling at myself from both positions. Calling myself a fucking idiot from both sides of the table. You know? I can do it. You can probably do it. Maybe. I hope you can. I think some people can't, though. That's the thing that I'm starting to realize is that I think some people don't have the ability to have an inner argument. They can't see both sides or they don't want to. They're unable to argue the other side. Like, how can you even have an opinion without knowing something about the other side? I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, uh, the probably one of the reasons why I, I get so frustrated with vegans is because I really do understand where they're coming from. Like, I, on a deep level, I feel it. You know, so that gets frustrating. They think you don't, I think vegans sometimes don't think that you know. I don't, I I think they think that everybody else isn't feeling that way. They don't understand that life is fucking horror, abject horror if you're looking at it. If you're looking at it with clear eyes and you're looking at everything, Oh, my Lord, there is just so much horror out there. But within that and because of it, that's what creates the beauty. That's what creates the wonderful moments. You know, that's what creates the love. It's the lack of love in the crowd that makes love so wonderful with the one person you have or the few people you have or the one pet you have you know it's that 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 love doesn't exist other places that makes it so valuable if the mountains were made of gold nobody would give a shit about gold it's the rarity so yeah vegans you're frustrating goddamn fuckers it's because you're you're reminding everybody of what they already know, but there's such a strange, inescapable quality about it. So it's what you're really doing is saying, here's a problem you'll never fix. Here's a problem you'll never fix. Here's a problem you'll never fix. Poke, 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 poke. Aha, you're hungry, you're bad. Haha, you smelled bacon and you like it. You're a fucker, you're a fucker. You know? It's reminding us that we're part that every bit of your joy, your existence is a is a terror terror to something else, you know. That mosquito that's trying to bite you, it's only trying to reproduce, <laughs> you know. Its existence is part of your terror, and your hand smacking it and spludging its blood, your blood, back onto the surface of your skin. 
and maybe pushing a disease through its needle spout into your arm. It's all part of it. It's all part of it. Anyway, so that's what I do when I make these things. I ramble on. Thanks for listening.